Yep, we're back, basketball fans. Appreciate you guys for uh, coming back in and joining us this time around. Uh, you guys know what this is, unless you've been living under a rock, takes take, as you know, we like to call it the best, the most entertaining, the most educational, and the most informational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Uh, so I appreciate everybody for joining us. Make sure that you go and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe anywhere that you find your favorite uh, podcast, that being iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, Stitcher. We stream live on YouTube, as you know, if this isn't your first time, and we stream live on Facebook as well. So uh, make sure that you go and follow along on social media at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, hashtag, where basketball lives. So uh, it's been a little while since we done, had done this, uh, episode 50 now, uh, appreciate Seth Greenberg for coming on and joining us as well just the other day. And now I have another fantastic guest that I'd like to bring up with us. And I tease this a little bit. I had a ton of University of Kentucky fans and just a couple, a couple friends sprinkled around and some family, of course, uh, in the SEC region of college basketball and the sport within itself. You guys remember, you can always feel free to comment below with your questions, comments, opinions, suggestions, the whole nine. And without further ado, I want to go in and bring my uh, first guest of the evening in here to the locker room. That would be none other than Bud Baker, the NCAA senior marketing consultant and sportscaster of w, uh, WKYT, the SEC Network, and the University of Kentucky Sports Network. Give him a follow on Twitter at Buzz Baker. That is at Buzz Baker. Buzz, uh, top of the afternoon, or I guess good evening to you right. now. I guess this is kind of, I like to call it kind of like a safe haven or just one of those sanctuary places to get away from all the rest of the madness that's going on everywhere else and talk about some good college basketball. Thanks for coming on with me today. Sounds great, Deshaun. How are you doing? Everything good? I'm good, man. Outstanding. Thank you so much for uh, for asking. And uh, you know what? I, I, I did some research and I, I've been following for a little while already. Anyway, I said I got to bring Buzz in because I got a lot of people that got questions and they want answers to the University of Kentucky and exactly what's going on there. Um, two game win streak just got a bit sure. yesterday at home. Uh, against Vanderbilt. If you had to kind of sum it up from what you've seen over the course of the season already uh, to, for Kentucky, uh, where's this thing going? What has been some of the biggest reasons uh, for why you've seen, for why we have seen what we've seen from UK so far? Well, uh, I, I think one thing, obviously, if you follow the decade plus that Cal has been here at UK, he's had a way of doing this, you know, year after year in terms of taking all these young guys and getting them together and everything. But, but there's a lot that goes into that. You know, he's done everything from taking, you know, they can take those overseas trips sometimes. The first one he took was he, he went up to Canada. So we were able to drive there from Lexington. So it wasn't really overseas, but it gave him an opportunity to see some guys. You had all that preseason practice. You had individual instruction. Uh, it, then you had regular practice. And you didn't have any of that really in, in COVID this year. And, mm -hmm. and so I think what's happened since, you know, Cal's first class of, you know, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and some of those guys, what you've had happen as well is depending on what goes on with recruiting is that like some of these guys on this team, like Devin Askew, they're guys mm -hmm. that have reclassified. So mm -hmm. you not only got guys that may be one and done, you got one and dones that are a whole year younger. And, yep. and as you know, there's a big difference between a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old and a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old. So, so I think what happened, all that aside, and I'm not making excuses, but, you know, sure. 
they did that and they didn't have exhibition games or blue white scrimmages or anything like that. They didn't, uh, they weren't able to play a, a, an NAIA school or two before they got into uh, their schedule. We've seen years where uh, say Duke has played what, eight, nine, 10 home games before they ever played in the away game. They've, they've gotten into conference before they played mm-hmm. an away game. So you've got a young Kentucky team here that did not have a lot of time to mesh together. They had a really difficult schedule and they just had trouble putting the ball in the basket. And uh, they, they've kind of got that figured out a little bit, a little bit over the last couple of games. I'm curious to know who the guy is that's like, all right, you know what? Enough is enough. You know, I'm sick of this. This can't be the way. Uh, this isn't the Kentucky way. Wearing that Kentucky blue, that pride, that big blue nation, and just everything that comes along with that type of a blue blood program coming out of a timeout, coming out of a huddle. Who's the guy that's rounding these guys up, rounding up the troops, saying, you know what? I'm sick of this. Are you guys with me or you're not? Because this has to change. Who is that player or players? You know, it's funny. That's the thing, too. You know, a lot of a lot of programs have those players, you know, that that are fourth or fifth year seniors. That's not the case in Kentucky. It, it never is. So what you had was you had some guys that tried to do that. You had a couple of the young guys that tried to do that. I think you had uh, Terrence Clark before he suffered an ankle injury that tried to do that. Then you had a guy uh, like a Davion Mintz, who was like, what, the sixth man Uh, but, um, so you had Davion Mintz, uh, who, who comes in and who tries to be the old man and the leader. You got a guy like Olivier Saar, uh, you know, who played at Wake Forest last year, who, even though this is his first year in the Kentucky program, like Mintz is a graduate transfer, he's kind of been that guy, but you know, I, I don't think there's anybody that's been there that, you know, really has been in that kind of position. They just needed to stick the ball in the basket. And, mm-hmm. and that happened at Mississippi State on Saturday night. You talk about Kentucky being a blue blood program, but, you, you know, like all great programs, they, they've had uh, Kentucky fans have had a special affection for kids that grow up here in the Commonwealth. And there aren't that many that play for Kentucky. But Dante Allen is a kid, uh, a guard who's 6'6", who was Kentucky's Mr. Basketball, even though he only played like five, six games of his senior year before he was lost to a knee injury. Mm-hmm. because of just how incredible he is at scoring the basketball. And so he injured that knee. He was fighting back from that knee injury. And then on the way to rehab, he was involved in an automobile accident. And so he lost even mm-hmm. more time. And so he was out all of last year. And we kept hearing reports. And, you know, we get to see practice once in a blue moon, you know. And there hadn't been a blue moon this year because of COVID. And so we kept hearing reports mm-hmm. that this guy is shooting the lights out. And so Cal mm-hmm. gets tossed on Saturday night. And then Mintz come, or excuse me, uh, Allen comes out and hits like seven to ten from the field, six to nine threes, and and I mean it just changed everything. And they beat Mississippi State in double overtime. And even though he didn't have that kind of night last night against Vandy, mm-hmm. he was able to hit threes. He was able to hit shots inside the circle. But what he was able to do is the defenses had to know where he was, so it opened the court up for everybody else. So he's been the difference maker, no question, in the last week. I'll say this much, and this is just one thing that I've always been curious of as to how this works. I don't think it's a secret that Cal goes about recruiting um, goes about recruiting his one and dones and so forth. And I'm just kind of curious to know, with it being a program that is known for um, for hanging national championship banners and national championship banners only to an extent. Um, 
it's a fan base though that believes in that but cal has this way of seemingly being about his recruits and i'm not mad at him for wanting to make sure no, that his players families are fed and things like that uh how does that sit with the fan base that you're getting you're winning the recruiting battle but not necessarily hanging the national titles well it, it, it's it's a nuanced sort of deal I, I mean i think if you listen to what he's saying he's saying that if i do this and i get these kids we're gonna hang these banners now mm -hmm. that's not the way some people interpret it okay and like the the poster that's behind me i, I mean the last one was in 12. i, I mean mm -hmm. you know I mean, even though they hang as many as, as anybody in college basketball, especially in the modern era, it is so incredibly difficult to do. And and Kentucky fans will tell you, and Cal will tell you, that they feel like they've left two or three on the table, uh, you know, since since he's been here. Uh, but but I think what, what he is in essence saying is if I get those players, because the, the scenario when, when Cal came here, Tubby Smith, of course, uh, you know, left. And, and, and there was a murmuring in the fan base about the fact that, you know, Tubby is this great guy. He does an incredible job of developing players. But when are we going to get in on some of these really top recruits like some of the other programs are? And so that's, that's what Cal did immediately when he got here. And, you know, sometimes it comes together and sometimes it doesn't. You know, it looked like in 14 they were done. And, mm -hmm. you know, they all of a sudden put some stuff together with a bunch of guys. And that's one that people, after they made that run, I mean, there was, I mean, they were like on the edge, you know, a week or two before the tournament, there was a legitimate discussion about, are they going to make the tournament? Are they going to have to mm -hmm. win the SEC tournament to make the tournament? And he got them turned around then. And, you know, then they, they had the season where they should have been unbeaten and, and end up losing. And uh, so it's, it, it's been all those different things. But I, I, I think, and, and I've said this before, I think Cal is as perfect a fit for Kentucky in basketball as Nick Saban is for Alabama in football. Now, they go about things two entirely different ways. Mm -hmm. But I remember we were down at the SEC meetings in Destin after Cal won it in 12. And he basically just badgered Saban for about a day and a half. He said, man, I, I just can I get 30 minutes with you? I want to talk with you about how you handled your team after you won the championship. And so they're present, you know, Cal's got what, over a million Twitter followers. Saban doesn't have Twitter. I, I mean, their presentation is different, but at the end of the day, their principles and what they believe in and the way they've stood by it, those are the things that, that work for both of them. You talked about Kentucky and Coach Calipari after they won a national championship. Now, I want to be clear about something. Uh, we only do 110% here on this particular uh, program, but uh, when you mention that, I don't want to trash them. However, you know, this year kind of has somewhat of a feel or similar vibe to the way that the year after the national championship year went 2013. I know about the Nerlens Noel injury. You lose in the first round of the NIT sure. to Robert Morris. Is that somewhat spot on? I mean, obviously they can turn things around. They're two and zero since the new year. Uh, is that sure. something that you kind of expect for them to be able to turn it around? Cause next thing you know, I got a feeling they're going to string together quite a few, probably four or five straight games, and everybody's going to seem like they forgot about Kentucky's losses, and it'll be brought back to the forefront of how now they're winning. Uh, and I can only imagine some of the uh, very entertaining things that Cal will have to say at that point about how everybody counted them out. What, what, what is your take on, on, on what Kentucky will look like going forward from here? Well, well, I mean, what they've done to this point has been kind of historic. 
and not from a good standpoint either. I mean, the last team to uh, start one and six and make the tournament was Cal's buddy Rick Barnes when he was at Texas in 98-99. And they started out one and six. Then I think they went like 12 and three in the Big 12. And then uh, they won the tournament and got into the NCAA tournament. So a lot of people are saying, is that what, what Kentucky is going to have to do? That There are so many things that, that could happen because of games being canceled. Uh, you know, we've had Villanova now shut down, what, their next three games or whatever. So you're going to have some weird records and stuff out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's going to be really challenging, I think, for the committee. You're still going to have those automatic bids and everything. Um, you know, if you're on the committee – and you can't, uh, and, and they're talking about your team, you can't be in the room, uh, but UK Athletics Director Mitch Barnhart is the chair of the Division One Men's Committee this year. So that, that will certainly help from that standpoint. But not only can they not afford to lose games, they can't afford to lose games on the scoreboard, but they can't afford to lose games because of COVID. Now, Kentucky has done a really good job with their protocols and everything from the standpoint that, at least in terms of football, UK and South Carolina were the only two SEC teams that did not lose a game because of COVID or have to change a game around or anything. And so, you know, a lot of people, as we still try to figure out what the heck's going on with this virus as the vaccine rolls out, everybody is much more suspect of what's going to happen because they're playing in enclosed places where they can't spread out as much as opposed uh, to being outside. Uh, But, but, Listen, they're playing with a really thin margin right now. Uh, There's some good things that are happening. They're still without Terrence Clark, who's got the ankle injury. The mm-hmm. only guy that played eight minutes last year, Keon Brooks, is still out with a lower leg injury. Uh, right. and, and, and the whole key for the healthy guys, I think, is going to be whether they can get B.J. Boston going the way everybody thought he'd be going. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. consensus top five recruit. Yep. And, you know, he – I don't have the stats in front of me from last night, but the three games previous, he was shooting like about 35% from the field, but he had gotten 16 rebounds in those three games. He had mm-hmm. continued to make hustle plays and, and do the things you ought to do, but you can tell it's kind of weighing on him. And if you get Dante Allen going like he has, keep him going. You get BJ Boston going and you get some guys back who are healthy. This team's got the opportunity in an SC, in the SEC uh, to put together a run. That uh, they uh, they go to Florida on Saturday, and, and we know how their season has changed. And and thank goodness, uh, Young Johnson is good. Uh, you know the Player of the Year who went down and you know passed out on, on the court. He's back with him on the sidelines. He's not going to play, but that has totally changed the trajectory uh, of the Florida team. And mm-hmm. and so Tennessee, I think, was uh, thought to maybe be a uh, consensus number one almost in the SEC. Uh, but they've gotten uh, knocked off. And then Kentucky in the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge, everybody thought it would be a competitive game, and all of a sudden they pulled Texas. And look at what Texas did to Kansas over the weekend. So there's a lot to still play for out there. I want to ask you this real quick while we still have you. uh, Buzz Baker in the locker room with us, NCAA Senior Marketing Consultant and Sportscaster for WKYT, SEC Network, and University of Kentucky Sports Network. Before I ask a couple questions maybe about around the SEC right now and or 
uh, a couple of the uh, University of Kentucky guys that are currently in the NBA. This is a Kentucky team that didn't win any games in the month of December. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time that coach one of a coach Cal led team started out one and four. Uh, that was his first year in Memphis. He started out one, I'm sorry, one and one in three, his first four years, followed that up by another one in three, similar to what he's done this year, and then went on to win two games. Up next is uh, over the course of the next three games, you go two of them on the road, one at Florida, uh, one at Auburn, another one against the Alabama team that's been really, really tough. What has to happen for Kentucky to start out the calendar year of 2021 5-0? Well, that, that, that's a great question, and, they, and they've gotten some of those questions answered. And again, to talk about that start, uh, coming into last night's game, uh, they had lost two in a row at Rupp. They lost to Richmond. Uh, they lost to Notre Dame. Last night was their first game at home since December 12th. Never, never had a UK team lost three in a row at Rupp Arena since the building was opened 45 years ago. Wow. So, so that shows you just how uncommon this is. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Florida's season is very different. Uh, but And the thing that helps Kentucky, even those games that are on the road, we know the road in the road that it used to be or that it'll mm -hmm. be next year after we get this vaccine. So, mm -hmm. you know, the rowdy reptiles won't be down there in Gainesville. Uh, you know, Bruce won't be able to fall out of the uh, ceiling or repel out of the ceiling and have 9,000 screaming people there. Uh, I'll tell you, Alabama's a really good basketball team. I haven't had a chance to see Auburn a lot, but obviously they have come out and announced uh, that uh, they're going to self-impose that postseason ban mm -hmm. with some of the stuff that they're looking at. So you always uh, wonder how that's affecting kids and everything. But but I just think it, it, it's – and listen, it, it, you know from where you participate and what guys do, it, it all comes down to confidence. And, mm -hmm. and these kids, they came from all these high-profile programs Correct. and some in college and otherwise, and they just hadn't had anything hit them like this before. I mean, yep. it may go back to junior pro. I don't know, but most of these guys just haven't faced – and I hate to use the term adversity, but, mm -hmm. but they hadn't been shell-shocked like this on the court. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden it hits them. And, I, and I'm the whole thing with Boston is, is confidence. I mean, the kid can play. Uh, we'll see if, if he plays up to those rankings. But he can certainly play and make a big difference for this team. But but in order to do that, he just got to get his confidence going. And, and, mm -hmm. and you, you know, you've seen it with guys. They get out there and they believe everything that's going up is going in. And it does. Mm -hmm. And then you get on the other side of that deal. And even though you may have the elbow in and you're doing everything and you're going back <laughs> to fundamentals, you can't get one to drop. And, and, and so I think that's going to be a huge key for this team. Yeah, I've been here in the metro uh, in the metro Atlanta area for the past 15 years and obviously had a chance to see a lot of uh, Sharif Cooper, who is sure. ineligible by the NCAA for Auburn and obviously BJ Boston, Brandon Boston Jr. Uh, as much time as I have. Sometimes I feel like, while you know, he does have the length and a lot of the tools, like you said, the confidence, maybe not playing with a whole lot of urgency per se, uh, but certainly is a true talent. Uh, and has some things about him that uh, that you can't teach. 
Uh, and maybe some, I'm pretty sure you've had, heard some similar comparisons to Brandon Ingram and things like that as far as his game. But I really believe he's going to have to be one that's going to have to get it going if this team is going to be one that's going to want to make a strong push from here on all the way through till we get to the tournament. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a couple guys that are now in the NBA, former Wildcat players. Uh, let's start out with uh, Emmanuel Quickly, who has clearly been like really tearing it up playing really, really well uh, for the New York Knicks and uh, wasn't really sure what kind of pro he was going to make. But it seems like, you know, no matter who it is, when it comes to Kentucky guards, you can never go against these guys. It's like even if they don't seem like they're making out to be the best collegiate players, there always looks like they're going to be a better pro. Uh, just kind of your take on that uh, analogy to an extent or an example, and even more so what you've been able to see out of Emmanuel quickly on the NBA level. They're certainly getting that base, and, and they're getting prepared to be in the NBA. And it, and it all comes down to, uh, you know, development. You know, I, I guess the first guy from a guard standpoint, uh, obviously, was John Wall who stood out. But then, you know, Eric Bledsoe has continued to get better and better. He's been traded a little bit, you know, but but he's in there and getting it done. Devin Booker was a sixth man at Kentucky, and he ends up signing one of those big max deals. And so uh, quickly in those guys and, 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 the, and the way that they played, you just look up and down the league and the roster. And it's not just the guards, too. I, I, I mean, Bam Adebayo. Yes. Okay, Bam, Bam wanted to take care of his family. And mm -hmm. when he left, you know, Nobody who, 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 you know, takes in shows like this or tweets or nobody thought, he, why didn't he stay? Why didn't he stay? Well, they just mm -hmm. they just don't understand the whole setup that the NBA, not the NCAA, but the NBA has put in place. And, mm -hmm. you know, for guys to make their money, they got to be in there longer. And all of a sudden in a COVID year, mm -hmm. you know, Bam goes out there. And I mean, he just tears it up, but he got what yep. 60 million or something like that. It's uh, mm -hmm. uh, Julius Randall. It is Julius Randall. Other guy. I mean, great dude, great dude. Mm -hmm. And you know, but he's transformed his body. Uh, yep. Somebody you guys remember from the, uh, from the ACC, uh, Luke Kennard from over at Duke. Yep. Luke did. It, most people did not think Luke was going to do what Luke did. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he's a draft pick. His dad and I are friends from the same Little town oh. up in Ohio, and mm -hmm. um, you know, Aaron Mintz is his agent, who is uh, Julius's agent as well. And I mean, a lot of people just didn't think he was going to do it, and all of a sudden, he blows up, right? And he signs for 56 million guaranteed uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, mm -hmm. those guys are getting that base, those Kentucky guys uh, are getting that base, and there's really some real recent guys. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. For, for Kentucky basketball fans, there's nothing like better than the season. But one of the things in COVID when everybody was locked down and the NBA season and the playoffs were in the summer, I mean, it gave them a chance to watch a lot of those guys a whole bunch. And they got to see. And, and, and I really love the NBA in that time slot as well in the summer. It's funny that you even mentioned Luke Kennard, me as a bad boy Detroit Piston for life. Uh, so I, I obviously am very familiar with Luke Kennard and his abilities and all those good things. But I even think that he even broke LeBron James, if I'm not mistaken, I could be a scoring record for the state of Ohio or something like that at one point. Yeah, but nonetheless, absolutely. Uh, 
And, and there are so many names because the list goes on and on and on at the University of Kentucky. Even guys like Winyan Gabriel, for crying out loud, making himself right, right. a really good home in the NBA as well. Uh, just one more question for you while we have you here. Uh, when you have, um, you know, players that are now teaming back up together, your John Wall and your DeMarcus Cousins, now having that opportunity again for the first time since they did at Kentucky, yeah. what are kind of your expectations? I mean, you had the opportunity to see them one-on-one, -on -one, you know, up close and personal. What kind of things do you think they're going to re-implement there while they're there in Houston as teammates once again? You know, I think they both got a lot to prove. I, I, think, I think John, from the standpoint of his injuries and everything, and actually uh, I've had a daughter – uh, that uh, just graduated and is in nursing. I've got two daughters. Congratulations. Over at UK. Thank you. I've got two daughters over at UK and, and John was in class with one of them uh, this semester. Everybody's doing zoom class. So they say, you know, he was all there every day with, with his little man and, and uh, his kids and, and just doing his thing. And so he's got something to prove. I've always loved the Marcus cousins. I, I, I personally love a player like cousins. Cause I've always said, you know, whether it's little league or whatever, I always want an athlete or a person or a salesman or whoever it is. I want somebody got pulled back a little bit instead yep. of somebody you got kicked to get started. Yeah, I agree. A nicer guy on the planet than Demarcus. Now, listen, he can he can get off the rails sometimes. <laughs> yeah, what that guy went through. I mean, he's like yeah. months away from a supermax. Okay, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. he has the injury, and then he has another injury. And so uh, I, I think that they've just got to figure out what they're going to do with the distraction. It is James Harden right now. And it seems like yeah. everybody, like a Harden or somebody, if they want to get traded, they'll find a way to get themselves traded. So before those two guys and other people can mesh, I, I, I think the organization's got to figure out, you know, what they're going to do with James. I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Buzz, thank you so, so much for joining me here. Again, uh, NCAA Senior Marketing Consultant and Sportscaster for WKYT SEC Network and the University of Kentucky Sports Network. Be sure if you guys don't do nothing else, you want to stay in tune with Blue, uh, Big Blue Network and all that type of stuff, everything going on with the University of Kentucky. Make sure that you give them a follow. That is at Buzz Baker on Twitter, at Buzz Baker. Buzz, thanks so much for joining me. Deshaun, thanks so much. I just want to say something just real quick. Uh, one, uh, sure. The Atlanta Alumni Club is one of the biggest uh, UK alumni clubs uh, in the country. We love the folks down in the ATL. I usually come down once a year and do a preview. Wasn't able to do Cat it. Atlanta, Catlanta. Right, right, right. And uh, Great <laughs> Television, who has been a great employer uh, for me at WKYT. Our headquarters is proudly there uh, in the uh, ATL as well. And since you talked about Detroit, Dwayne Casey, who heads up your Pistons, when he graduated from UK, he mm -hmm. worked in our sales department before he got into coaching. That was a very really? good move on his part to get out of TV sales and to get into <laughs> coaching. That is too funny, man. That is too, too funny. Wow, man. Just so much information. We got to get you to come back on at some point again. I'm sure Kentucky's about to turn this thing around really, really quickly. Everybody's going to forget about it at that point. I just can't wait to hear the sarcasm slash seriousness that's always going to come from Coach Cal in, uh, in those moments. There you go. Be glad to, Deshaun. Thanks so much. Happy New Year. All right. You as well. Thank you so much. That was uh, Buzz Baker joining us. 
Uh, again, NCAA senior marketing consultant and sportscaster from WKYT, SEC Network, University of Kentucky Sports Network. Again, go and give him a follow at Buzz Baker on Twitter. And I want to remind you guys to give us a follow here uh, on the show. If you like what you see, of course, feel free anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. That is iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, Stitcher, streaming live on YouTube, streaming live on Facebook, the whole nine. Uh, make sure that you guys go and um, uh, leave me a review. You get an opportunity to uh, leave some comments or, and or up to a five-star rating. Leave a rating, if you will. Of course, those always mean a lot, a lot, a lot to guys like me who's just uh, trying to put some new things together for the year of 2021. And uh, I call it 2021 Savage. I guess it's just my own little way. My dude, Iron Mike Dyson, kind of let me borrow that one for a couple of minutes, for a couple episodes, if you will. Uh, but make sure you go and give a follow. You know, tell a friend if you have, you know, family, friends, everybody knows someone that loves basketball. Uh, let them know about the podcast and, uh, you know, don't save it for your local barbershop and don't save it for your local sports bar. You have an opportunity to allow your voice to be heard. Always going to get some really, really good content. At least I like to think so here on the best, the most entertaining, the most informational and the most educational basketball uh, content in the form of a podcast right here at Tate's Take. So if you're not really sure what how to do it, whether you got the uh, the the Android and you don't have the uh, Apple phone or you got the Apple phone and or and, and you don't have the Android or whatever the case may be, we're streaming live all over the place. Please make sure that you go tell a friend, a family member, uh, uh, an enemy, whomever, whatever, mama, grandmama, and everybody in between uh, to where they can find the content because you never know who you're going to get. And in fact, on a guest here, not only just coming up, uh, we do have a good buddy of mine who uh, I've, I've definitely had the pleasure of doing some work sitting right next to him at Final Fours before. And when he pops up here in the green room, we're going to give him an opportunity to talk a little bit about some Michigan State basketball amongst some uh, Big Ten as well and pick his brain a little bit. Goes by the name of Graham Couch. So we're going to get ready to bring him in here in just a second. Uh, but you, again, you never know who you're going to get, you know, here on this show. We brought Seth Greenberg in uh, probably nearly two weeks ago. We've had Jay Billis on here. Uh, so many other names, so many important people. All of our guests are equally as important uh, and all A1 or A-list guests here on the show. We've got some Atlanta Hawks stuff that's going to be coming up within the next few days. Ken Segura is going to join us to talk about Georgia Tech a little bit. Uh, we've also got... Um, uh, Fran Frischilla, who covers uh, for ESPN with uh, the uh, covers most of the Big 12 games, calling those games. Uh, Fran Frischilla is going to be joining us tomorrow. Uh, Dan Dockich is going to be joining us on Friday. So you never know who you're going to get. If you don't do anything else, tell a friend. Everybody knows somebody that loves basketball, man. So let them know where they can find it. And of course, as always, and per usual, at Tate's Take Hoops on the Twitter. That is T A T E S T A K E. H-O-O-P-S, and we like to call it hashtag where basketball lives. And real quick, because I see my dude Graham is in the green room, so just real quick before we bring him on, good buddy of mine, Rob Hamilton, checking in with us on Facebook saying one of the best. Now, I don't know if he was talking about Buzz Baker or if he was talking about Deshaun Tate in the podcast, uh, but nonetheless, of course, we thank Buzz Baker for coming on with us and thank Rob Hamilton for checking in with us on Facebook as well. And you can be much like Rob Hamilton on Facebook and on, uh, and on um, YouTube where we stream live to both of them 
as well. You can be just like him and be able to check us out and join us and be a part of the show because you have a voice here as well, as you can see uh, that, um, as you can see that, you know, feel free uh, to chime in with us. You're uh, with comments below, questions, opinions, the whole nine, feel free to do that. And without further ado, I want to bring my dude up in here, man, because this is our first time doing this. I said that I was going to pop it off for the year of 2021. Uh, and that is our victory for MSU segment. So it is our first time. And what other person better to have on the show with us than my dude right here, man, Graham Couch, a show host, catch him on Couch in the Room. What is that, Monday through Friday, 1P to 2P Eastern? Yeah, we're, do we're doing Monday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays right now. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, 1 to 2 p. That's Eastern Standard Time. Couch in the Rube and also a columnist for the Lansing State Journal. Check them out on Twitter uh, at Graham Couch. Again, that, oh, I'm sorry, at Graham underscore Couch. That is at Graham underscore Couch. Gee, what's, man, what, what's good, man? How you doing? It's good to be on with you, man. The city misses you. How you doing? <laughs> I know. I miss the city too, man. Not so much the cold. I guess I brought it this way with me the last time that I came and visited, but... Uh, uh, thankful for you taking out the time, especially such last minute to be able to join us here. I want to definitely get into quite a bit of Michigan State. I know a lot of people who are watching are probably rolling their eyes because they know exactly who and how I am about my Spartans. But um, a big time win that Michigan State really needed. They put together much like as we just brought on Buzz Baker, who was covering Kentucky, uh, two wins in a row, you know, uh, mm -hmm. for them. And Michigan State is on that same route and opening up. 2021 in, in, in really good fashion, obviously. Uh, but it was a really rough start going 0-3 to begin the Big Ten. This is a back-to-back-to-back conference champions. What have you seen uh, from the beginning of the season to where we are now, just in terms of just everything in general, struggles, uh, weaknesses, strengths out of Michigan State, and some things that they've really kind of turned around uh, within the course of the last two games or so that made them look a little bit different in adding a left side, uh, a left a number to the left side of the result column. It's been a weird year in some ways because you know they look so good against Duke, and and I I misread that game. I think like a lot of people did that they they looked like a team that had a lot of parts that had been waiting their turn. They could they were matchup proof. They could hit you a number of ways, and and then we find out Duke's a young team that's struggling, and and that win doesn't hold up quite as well. Notre Dame when they were dominant. I mean, in both those games they had these really dominant stretches, right? They they go forty two and uh, forty two to eighteen over Duke over over a 15-minute span. Uh, there was over seven minutes against Notre Dame. It was 26 nothing, And then you, you see teams like Western Michigan and Detroit and, and, and others give them fits. Oakland. And, yeah. Uh, Oakland, yeah. And, and, and so and then they get into Big Ten play, and right away Northwestern smacks them. Now, Northwestern turns out to be a pretty decent team. They've, they've had some good wins since. But clearly there, there, there were some issues there, and it, it began at the point guard, Rocket Watts, who I still think could be a good lead guard. I think this was a weird year. Like you, he really needed an off season, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy who, um, you know, he in, in a normal off season, not only do you get the full September, October, all that stuff, but you get um, the summer where you're playing with your guys, and that's where there's a pecking order established. That's where you figure out how you run with certain guys and who's better, who likes to be with, who where guys like the ball, all that stuff. And they had a lot of new parts. They didn't get that. And you're seeing that, I think, with a lot of teams that are struggling that have talent, right? You see that with 
uh, Kentucky and Duke and, and and other teams that that, that new pieces that didn't that didn't get that. And if you get an Iowa or a Wisconsin or Illinois with a lot of guys back, it's not as big a, an adjustment. And and there are there are certainly exceptions. Michigan's been really good, for example, with with a lot of new pieces. But the what what the, and, and so what then happened is. They struggle. They lose to Northwestern. They lose to uh, Minnesota in a game. They just kind of get punked, and they just Northwest or Minnesota goes off on them, and they make the move to AJ Hogard, a, a freshman at point guard, and um, that that has helped. But I, I think the bigger thing is Aaron Henry when he plays well. Uh, he's a difference maker for them. We saw it against Duke when he played 35 minutes. He was great against Nebraska, and then this last game against uh, a, a, a what I think is a very good Rutgers team that had already beaten Illinois, been close with Iowa. Um, you know, he was unbelievable. He was 20 points, eight rebounds, you know, several blocks, you know, several steals, just dominant on both sides, very efficient offensively, eight for 13. But it wasn't just that he made eight shots. It was the 13 shots he took were all his game, nothing forced. Um, you know, they were able to get out and run. They played great defensively. They rebounded well. And so that they still, I, I still question them when they get against a team that's going to force them to beat them in the half court how that's going to look for this team. So um, there, there are questions, but they went from a team that a few days ago I thought looked like a bubble team to a team that now I think is um, shows it can throw a punch against, you know, the, the upper tier of the Big Ten still. Yeah, Michigan State a bubble team. I'm not sure that I've uh... – I'm not sure that I've heard that very often over the course of the last 22 years, but this is one of those weird years, kind of like you said, with not just the pandemic, but just everything in general. I mean, you know, I mean, we have a little bit better feeling, obviously, this year of who the best team in the country is. I'm not sure if everybody's in a rush to, you know, to cut in front of that line to say that Gonzaga is going to be the one to definitely, you know, whip out their Sharpie marker and write them in as the national champs or anything, considering their previous history. But uh, even dating all the way back to last year, where there was just no clear cut favorite, we've seen so much craziness and, you know, Duke loses at home to Stephen F. Austin. I mean, we've seen a little bit of yeah. everything yeah. throughout that since that time. But speaking of questions, and I'm glad that you mentioned questions because one of the ones that I have and just a couple of people that I know that are diehard starting fan, uh, Spartan fans is between guys like Marcus Bingham Jr. and uh, Foster Lawyer, okay? I, I, we don't do anything on this program but do 110%. I was under the impression of just me personally feeling like those are two guys that probably more so Bingham more than Lawyer, but probably should have transferred like yesterday. Uh, not seeing these two guys get in the game for very much time, specifically being Bingham, uh, and then you have Foster Lawyer who got his five minutes on yesterday, but typically gets a little bit more time than guys like Bingham. What has been the issue between these two guys? Because I've heard so much over the offseason about how much improved guys uh, like Foster Lawyer was. And I'm just not sure that I, I, I feel very confident in the fact that he's lived up to that exactly. Well, I think he is much improved. The problem for him is his ceiling is still here, right? I mean, and so you kind of, and, and, and Tom has always alluded to it. You kind of know what he is and what his role is going to be. And, and one of the things that happens when you, it's certainly that's matchup dependent to certain degrees. Like when you see, um, you know, a team like Rutgers, which has good athletes and quick guards and can get into you, that's not a great matchup for him. And and certainly one of the other problems is they haven't had great rim protection, which plays into Bingham a little bit. And then that, you know, some of the lineups they put out there with him aren't very good defensively. You've got to have strength elsewhere defensively to, to have Foster Lawyer on the court. And he's been okay at times. I thought he was 
really good in that Duke game, helped turned it a little bit. But um, but there's no question that, and he's got to shoot more. I mean, that's why he's a Division One player. Is he was a prolific high school shooter. The, the man when he has an open shot should just shoot. And um, and you know he can move the offense. He plays with grit. But what what happens when you decide AJ Hogard is going to be a, a, a freshman point guard is going to start getting 20 plus minutes a game. Those minutes have to come from somewhere. And right now, yeah. a lot of that is Rocket Watts, who's playing about 15 minutes. But Rocket's going to be in the 20s here shortly. And then you look at Joshua Langford. Some will probably eventually come out of him. And, and Gabe Brown has struggled here and there. But Foster Lawyer is certainly somebody who is not going to see 20-plus minutes a game regularly, I don't think. And there might be a few matchups that work for him. Um, to his credit, I, you know, I think originally, and this is before pandem- the pandemic started, he wanted to prove he could do it at this level. And there's no doubt it was a, a miss on a recruit because it, obviously otherwise, if you have a junior point guard replacing a, a, a guy like Cassius Winston, that guy's supposed to be ready to start and be your guy. And that's not where this is. Um, but that, that said, I, I do think he's played well enough. I think I don't. I think, I think he's the type of kid that doesn't want to leave. He understands his limitations. I've questioned at times whether he should. The thing for him now, though, is you're not going to have to sit out if you leave after this year. This year doesn't count against you. So a kid like Foster Lawyer can look at the end of this year and say, do I want to go play two more years somewhere else and mm-hmm. and go play at a mid-major or whatnot? And, and Bingham is, uh, you know, I, I think Bingham they were really hopeful about, and they still haven't given up entirely on. He played a little bit against Rutgers, and he had a couple decent moments, got to the free throw line. Uh, but it is Matty Sissoko, the, the freshman, who plays more and more minutes, and he's a guy who looks like rim protection when he's on the floor. Now, he may maul you, but he protects the rim because he's in your head. Like, you could see it against Rutgers. Uh, uh, the McConnell kid is driving the ball, and he glances over at Sissoko <laughs> and decides not to go. At, that is rim protection without having to block a shot when you're in somebody's head. We've all been there. When there's a big dude on the court, um, you know, and, and so that – that was supposed to be Marcus Bingham, and there he has limitations to who he is. Uh, you know, I was talking to Draymond Green for a Q&A within the last couple of weeks, and he still has hopes for Marcus Bingham. Like, he still looks at Bingham and goes, there's a guy that, that boy, when you look at his length and you look at his skill set, if you get the strength right, like, that's a guy who could be a pro. The, the problem is it's got to be strength, a lot of it, and it's got to be feel. And I don't know that he's somebody, and Izzo said this, who truly loves the game. A lot of big guys – don't necessarily do but the other thing he's just not that quick and so he's got to be something he's gonna have to guard fives and mm. uh for that he's gonna have to be stronger and more tenacious and uh between him and julius marble whose playing time has gone down as well i my guess is both i wouldn't i, I don't know if both of them will leave but i wouldn't i would be surprised if both of them are back next year well it's funny you say that and i'm glad that you mentioned something about uh, sometimes questioning that love for the game or whatever, what have you specifically within the big guys, because guess what? The reality is like, it's almost as if you're a big guy, you go play basketball. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what you do. You're seven feet tall. There's nothing else for you to do. You're going to go out there and you're going to play basketball or hang billboards or something, but basketball is going to be the way for you. I would imagine they make a lot more money that way. Um, this is quite the rotation. I mean, we've, we've heard some conversations about Tom Izzo and, rotations and having to figure out some of these things and so forth. I mean, I've always been the guy that's felt like Gabe Brown's probably, it's up to him to put it together. I think he's the best player on the team. I'm just not sure that he's willing to get down and in there defensively. There's athletic ability, probably the best peer shooter on the team, but he doesn't always show it. I mean, then you have to make room, like you said, for guys like Malik Hall and 
who can help win you some games as well. And, uh, you know, and and um, I'm trying to think of the other guy who you just mentioned about. Marble. Marble about Marble and yeah, Sissoko yeah. getting some time as well. Like, where do you think things are at in terms of this rotation? How many guys can he afford to play? Because, listen, majority of the teams of Michigan State, not saying they will do it this year or not saying that they won't, but in most cases, the years that Michigan State goes to make long runs in the month in the month of March, it's him going very deep within his lineups. What exactly, where exactly do you think that Izzo is with some of the lineup shakeup slash minimizing minutes between guys? Well, yeah, Gabe Brown has un undoubtedly been a little bit of a disappointment. I, this is his junior year, right? This is a performance year. And, and uh, you know, you, I, you know he's, he's a shooter. He should be a guy. He's a guy, you know, and you know the difference between a guy who can make shots and a shooter. Aaron Henry mm -hmm. is a guy who can make threes. He is not a shooter. Correct. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Brown and Foster Lawyer are shooters. Um, and, and there's, there's a, a shooter, the, the, the three point line can be 25 feet, 19 feet. Doesn't matter. It's just a suggestion. Yep. You're a shooter, you know, you're in the, you're in the zone. And, and so that's, Gabe Brown has not shown that eventually you have to make shots. And so I think that's a part of it too. You've got to make shots in big moments and, and, and step up and do that. The other thing though, is, you know, I think that defensively he gets lost way too often still. And, and I did a, a little bit of an analysis where I took, um, this was before the uh, Minnesota game. And what I did was I took the – there were eight stretches of basketball in their uh, wins over no uh, Notre Dame and Duke um, and losses to Wisconsin uh, and um, uh, Northwestern. And maybe that was, that was it. It was those four games. There were eight stretches of basketball in those four games that had kind of determined them. Three positive, five negative. And I took those eight stretches and I did a minutes breakdown. Who's on the court when things are going well and mm -hmm. who's on the court when they're not? And and it was a little revealing. Like Aaron Henry has got to be on the court. Joshua Langford was, was on the court most of the time things went well. When things were going poorly, Gabe Brown was almost always on the floor. And he was rarely on the floor when things were going well. That's not to say he didn't have a few moments. I thought he did against Duke. And he's had – so it's not a perfect sample size. But – Gabe gets lost a little bit, and and Joshua Langford though he's got to hit shot. The, the one of those guys has got to hit shots for them and become yeah. a, a knockdown shooter. And whoever that is is going to get those minutes. I think um, you know Malik Hall proved what he was what he did against um, you know uh, uh, the Ron Harper Jr. Uh, mm -hmm. at Rutgers. I mean Malik Hall is a, is a player and a two way player who can especially defensively. You need him matchup wise. He saves you a little bit, and 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 so he's going to be out there and he's going to play the four. Um, you know, the, the, they've, the, they've got a lot of issues with not having guys who are that much better than the other guy. And, you know, Aaron Henry, has got to be out there. Rocket Watts, that's got to be one of your dudes. If you're going to get anywhere, Joey Hauser, a, a crafty score. You got to have those three guys rolling to get anywhere. You'd like Lankford. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same player to be part of that. You'd like some other guys, but, um, you know, outside of those three guys, I think a lot of things. And now Hogart is going to start at point yep. guard. There are a lot of things still left to be determined. And we've seen it though with Kithier, who, you know, the thing about Kithier, people hated having Kithier out there for a while. And I think the last three games, you've kind of seen why he's valuable. Like he he has played really well. He's in the right places. He's a humble kid. Like he he doesn't. He's he's like the opposite of me. I am a delusional player, right? And he and Kithier is the exact opposite. He will. He knows he's limited. Like that's not a kid who's going to transfer. He's going to get everything out of his himself at Michigan State, 
and then go have a great life somewhere doing something. Like he gets it. He's a six eight dude with a six eight wingspan who's semi athletic. Um, but nobody has proven like that's the problem with those other big guys. You may have more gifts, but if you're not in the right place, if you don't set the screens and roll hard, if you don't mm-hmm. cover mistakes defensively, like one of the things last year, the reason he started next to Tillman at the very beginning, and is Tillman and him played off each other the best, and. Tillman would talk about that's the guy who's the closest thing to me cerebrally. And so, yeah, he, he's not physically who Tillman was. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about trying to cover up for a mistake, you, you need somebody to be there. more. You can have all the, the bounciness and length in the world, but if you're not where you're supposed to be, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Yeah, you uh breaking down. My dude, Graham Couch, breaking down the different uh dimensions and dynamics between being a shooter and – guys who uh just can shoot the ball I've, I've played a little pickup ball with my dude graham man he knows all about being a shooter uh show host couch uh couch and the rube uh for that show and obviously a columnist as well from the lansing state journal give him a follow at graham underscore couch as he's joining us here just for a couple more minutes in our victory for msu segment uh obviously michigan state basketball and uh just based off of a, a couple different things that uh you know that you've mentioned with a few of these different guys and you know who's the guy that is the i'm not sure if there is a go-to guy i don't know if the go-to guy is just whoever has the hot hand that night uh who is the guy that essentially after i think it was the minnesota game after that, that put the icing on the cake for zero and three start Who's the guy on this team that's, you know what, coming out of that timeout, coming out of that huddle, enough is enough. I've had it. This is not the Spartan way. We have to re-implement that Spartan pride, that stand and fight. We're the back-to-back-to-back Big Ten champs. This is the Big Ten, the best, the most physical, and most competitive league in the NCAA. Uh, Who is that guy that's like, I'm tired of this. I'm fed up. Are you guys coming with me? Because I'm ready to go out there and go to war and get back to the Michigan State brand of basketball that this was built and established on. Who is that player or those players? So it's a complicated question in this sense. that Aaron Henry may be their best player, but he's not their go-to guy. And what I mean by that is uh, defensively, he changes everything. And offensively, on the break, uh, you know, even even his ability to hit mid-range jumpers and get in the lane, un, you know, best player. Um, but if you need a bucket in the half court, if you need a bucket right then, you know, he doesn't handle the ball well enough. He tried to cross over through a mob yesterday and turned it over. Yeah, he just that. doesn't – I mean, that's just not his – so if you need a bucket, where are you going to go? You're going to give it to Watts and let him create Rocket. and try and score. Your rocket's it. And that's – and the other guy, Hauser, though, is is – and, and I'd like to see more two-man stuff with Hauser and, and Rocket where you're using some reverse ball screens and getting on that outer third of the court because, you know, the inner third in college basketball gets so congested, and that's what Watts has struggled with, you know, when you're up at the top of the key. But the I, I, I want to see those two playing off each other because offensively those are the two most, uh, you know, gifted scores you have. And and they their own strengths and what the, the pressures they put on defenses can help each other. Um, because Hauser, you know, is a pick and pop guy, is, and I also think I mean, he's a crafty guy in the post. Although there are matchups you can put on him that makes life difficult for him. Um, so, but but I think th- th- it's Rocket Watts. He's the guy that y- you listen to Mike Shashesky at the end of that Duke game. It was that's the guy that scares you. That's the guy that when he gets going, that makes them different. And so I think that's ultimately why he's going to have to play more than fifteen points a game. He eventually probably will. S- 
I don't know if he'll start. I think he'll be okay coming off the bench as long as he's playing minutes at the end. Because I do think there's value for a guy like Hogard and with playing with Langford at the beginning. You're a freshman playing with a more traditional two who plays is just easier to play next to than maybe a guy like Rocket Watts who can do a bit of everything, including the job you had. Like I, I mean, like Rocket Watts to me has a better feel for point guard than Keith Appling did. And he is a sophomore, mm-hmm. and Keith Appling was fine. The difference is that team had Draymond Green they could run through. And and so that that you know they don't they don't have that um, have that guy who just sees the floor in such a dominating force and and um, but yeah I I, I think offensively in the half court it's different than it is uh, you know in who's their best player just overall. I feel like when you're talking about guys like uh, Hogard, you know, putting him in there in that position, I know Izzo doesn't play freshman like a ton traditionally, uh, but him being a guy that, you know, I, I'm, and I, I can't say this because he's he's told me or anything like that, but just it has that feel of, well, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I go out there and mess up and be on the same playing field or uh, or, or wavelength as everybody else. He's playing with some confidence. He's got a nice body. He's dropped some pounds. Uh, and, you know, he can do nothing but go up from here. A lot of similar comparisons, at least I think so, to Denzel Valentine. Not so much just underrated vision, but I also think that that nice, good body that he has on him. Uh, and then, you know, when you mention guys like Thomas Kithier, now I will bring on Rico Beard, I think, sometime this weekend. He was a guy that told me by the time that uh, Thomas Kithier hangs it up, he's going to be a 20 and 12 guy now i don't know if that was 12 turnovers and 20 what fouls or what but i will say enough to say that i'm not that's one of the concerning things about me with the starting lineup and i'm sure a lot of people feel the same way i do not trying to challenge as though he's the hall of famer wearing the gold jacket not me um but who's looking over you know during warm-ups pre-game and looking over there and seeing Thomas Kithier in the starting lineup and is kind of afraid of that, or even this Michigan State team, for crying out loud, uh, from everything that we've seen almost leading up to this point. But even more so when it comes to guys like Rocket, I feel like sometimes he kind of uh, makes it difficult on himself intentionally. It's like if he's wide open, sometimes he won't make the shot. But if he's driving to the basket, similar to the way he did last night, and he's got two guys on him, he can make that shot because he's so used to being challenged with floaters. Meanwhile, there's two other guys out on the perimeter doing jumping jacks, you know, looking yeah. for the ball. So um, and where's Rocket at? Sometimes I'm curious to know what he's thinking, just literally out there thinking when he's on the floor. We know the type of dynamic offensive player he is. Defensively, what does he need to be or what do some of the other players on this team need to be? Because I'm not sure that they're – all locked in physically or, 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 or locked in mentally the way that we've seen some of the other Michigan State teams. Yeah, and, and when you talk about guys who intimidate when they dig into you, I mean, Watts is a guy who gives you a look, and it's like, I remember, you know, Izzo yells at Watts differently, right? It's like, I don't know about <laughs> this guy, you know? And then he does Aaron Henry, who has, a, you know, more of a sympathetic face and, you, you know, whatever. And But Henry and Watts are guys who, when they're out there, they make people uncomfortable with their athleticism. And when they take the court, mm-hmm. they look like they look like dudes you don't want to deal with. And Kithier is never going to be that guy. But I think people mm-hmm. learn quickly that he's a pain to deal with. He's always finished well. He finishes quick. You can't have too many guys, though, on the court who don't intimidate you. I think there's something to that. I I mean, we've all been in games where you you step up and you go, oh, these guys, you know? And, and sometimes that plays out that they're really good. Sometimes it doesn't. But But – 
it, it definitely has an impact on the beginning of, uh, of games. Watts, when Watts is thinking, it's a problem for him when he's overthinking out there. And he's not a stupid kid. He's just he's trying to play a position that he's trying to do right. He studied Cassius Winston a ton in the offseason. And he's just that's not who he is. And, you know, part of it is being, you know, there are things Cassius couldn't do that he can do. And so, you know, you got to, you know, he has decent point guard uh, instincts. Well, not instincts. That's the wrong word. Skills. His instincts mm-hmm. are not as a point guard. Mm-hmm. And so th- that, that's a challenge for him. And again, he didn't get the proper time. There, there's an argument to be made that MSU should have just ridden with him with a get-go and said, you're playing 33 minutes, 34 minutes a game at the point. We're going to live and die with it. And until you get this down, don't worry about it. And instead, he's looking over his shoulder, lawyer, and 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 that sort of thing. So um, I still think what will be very interesting to see is when you get in games in February and March, and it's down the stretch, there's six minutes to go, and it's tied in Big Ten play, and then it's NCAA tournament play. Who's on the ball? Who's on the court with the ball in their hands? And I, there's a part of me that we'll see if it's Hogard, we'll see if it's Watts. And Watts will probably be on the floor too, but I, 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 there's a part of me that thinks it won't be Hogard. We'll see how far along he gets. I like his, um, I mean, I like his, he's got a below the rim build and, and uh, mm-hmm. understanding how to use his body. He's, he's fairly quick. I think he's quicker than Denzel was um, in certain ways. And, and, um, but, and they're a little different. Denzel was a little taller, but um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think he's a nice player with a good feel for the game and, and, and he's what they needed because, when he's out there, they look sure of themselves. And that wasn't happening. You know, we've all played, and I, I bring everything back to pickup ball, but basketball is basketball, right? I mean, so we've all played with guys who are who are running the point because they're quick, but you don't know no, what the hell they're seeing. They're not point guard. Yeah, that's they're me. not point guard. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's me. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so and, and like there is a moment where I come off and I post up and I need I need the ball right then, or I come around the screen, mm-hmm. I need the ball right then, I need it here. And if if you miss that point, my confidence goes down. I become a lesser player, and then you're mm-hmm. not helping the team. Point guard is about yeah. making the people around you better than they are. That's what I've mm-hmm. always thought it is. And and, and that becomes in, in creating for them, but it also becomes in, in creating their confidence and knowing the best parts of their game and and, and how you maximize those and how you, you know. And, and I don't think Watts was doing that very well for this team when I watched that Minnesota game. They looked like they had no idea what they wanted to go to in the half court. Mm-hmm. And he looked like he had no idea how to get them to anything. <laughs> and they're playing in this middle third. And the other thing that always happened in Michigan State, you know, Tom Izzo was in the Hall of Fame for his defense. Yeah. Wayne Stevens will one day be a head coach because he is as smart defensively and that sort of gap help elbow, you know, defense they run. Uh, and a guy like Dane Fife comes from Indiana, motion. They don't, mm-hmm. None of these guys have that background. I mean, they, they ran into and they found it where they were in ball screen after ball screen with, with Cassius Winston for two years. But this isn't what you'd call – they don't have the Jim Boylan on their staff they had years ago where you look and you say there is an offensive uh, guru, so to speak, who can take what they have and let's figure it out. And so I think yeah. sometimes those things offensively for this, you know, this staff and this team take a little bit longer. My last question for you before I get you out of here, Graham – who is the best team in the Big Ten, and who will win the Big Ten regular season this year, in your opinion? Yeah, that's a good question. I thought Wisconsin for a bit, and I still think they'll be there because they got me too. Me too. Four, four, twenty-five-year-old, five twenty-five-year-old dudes. I mean, it's like a BYU team, you know, but the Big Ten level, <laughs> and they've got guys who are just below. And I mean, I, I think the Micah Potter kid may play in the pros, um, but they've got. 
and maybe maybe the other stretch four, but they've got guys who are kind of below the NBA level, but really good college players and had to stick around a long time. Um, I, I'm curious to see Michigan more, uh, and, and and because they've been impressive in a lot of ways, not just Hunter Dickinson, but the, the guard position they've been better than I thought they'd be. Um, you know, Illinois I like, but I, I don't know that they'll be it. Um, Iowa, I still, to, to me, and we'll see if they can get past the February swoon under Fran McCaffrey that they always have. And I think defensively, there's still some issues, but they've got the best player in the Big Ten and Luca Garza. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they've got a great wing and, uh, and Wieskamp. They've got, you know, they've got veterans in the backcourt. Defensively, I question them, but if mm-hmm. Iowa's ever going to do it, it's this year. And, I, and, and um, so if, if I had to make a pick right now, it's Iowa. You buying stocking Gonzaga to cut him down? I like him a lot. I don't, you know, if I would, if you give me Baylor Gonzaga the field, mm-hmm. uh, I would take the field, and especially in a pandemic year, and you don't know what's coming down the pike, the one and done sort of scenario. But I, I, they're the best team I've seen so far. Yeah. Same here. Thank you much. Graham Couch, man. Show host Couch in the room. Check him out. Make sure that you go and do that, man. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. until 2 p. That is Eastern Standard Time. And also, don't forget, he's a columnist as well for the Lansing State Journal. By the way, I am making it official. I uh, hope that you find it in your heart to forgive me. Charge it to my head and not my heart that I didn't find you coming around those curls or anything like that when we were playing some pickups. So I remember that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, will, I will hold it against you forever. <laughs> Man, make sure you guys give him a follow at Graham underscore couch at Graham underscore couch. Thanks, Graham. Appreciate it, Sean. Take care. Uh, no doubt you as well. That's Graham Couchman joining us again, columnist for Lansing State Journal. Does outstanding work if you're right right there within that uh, Lansing area, uh, mid-Michigan area as well, or or just uh, nationally. You know, he, the dude is known nationally, man, and obviously Michigan State is a national brand as well and does a phenomenal, phenomenal job with a lot of the work and the things that he puts together and write different writing samples and so forth. And you can learn quite a bit. I know that I have. So that's everybody on, uh, on today. I appreciate everybody. We got right ended it right at about an hour today so appreciate everybody for uh joining those of you who have joined live on facebook i see you out there as well as on youtube thank you so much for doing so and those of you who are going to join and uh make sure that you're subscribing um in the near future and uh, i'm always overly thankful and grateful appreciative of that remember to go and uh subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast itunes google uh itunes google podcast spotify red circle stitcher streaming live on youtube as well as facebook please subscribe tell a family member tell a friend uh tell your mama grandmama tell an enemy tell anybody and everybody in between uh, that also follow along on social media at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives to what I like to call the best, the most entertaining, the most educational, and the most informational basketball podcast, uh, basketball content in the form of a podcast. So leave me a rating, five-star rating, one-star rating, whatever you feel that it is. Uh, if you'd like to see more of this, just make sure that you're sharing along and hopefully putting some new things together in addition to the victory for MSU segment that we'll do at least a couple times a week, uh, bringing some different people on talking about Michigan State basketball and so forth. And uh, don't forget, Fran Fraschilla tomorrow. Um, 
uh, announcer, sports broadcaster, cause a lot of games, play-by-play, color commentary, things like that out of the Big 12. Uh, that will be on tomorrow on Thursday. We got Dan Dockage coming up on Friday. So a lot of really good things in the works. And if you love it, man, just make sure you drop a note or make sure you let somebody else know to subscribe. Everybody loves basketball and don't save it for the local barbershops and the local sports bars. So, you know, if it's 94 feet long, 50 feet wide and all the rest of the dimensions, you guys know what it is. Remember that uh, you can always find it here. Appreciate everybody. And I'll see you guys sometime within the next 24 hours or so. Later.